Uh, we don't need to doubt him. Amen. It's so good to see all of you here. If you're visiting with us today, we're very thankful that you are. And uh, we hope the service will be a great blessing. Hopefully there's been so many people shake your hand. You've gotten tired of it being shook. Um, I like friendly churches. How about you? Normally, I will only visit a, an unfriendly church once. Normally. Normally, uh, I won't visit an unfriendly church twice. And I kind of feel that I'm not that strange. And I like going to a friendly church, and I'm sure I know ours is, and so I appreciate all of our folks. Uh, we've been going through the life of David, and so if you would, if you'll open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, uh, we'll just continue on right where we left off on last week. Now let me get you caught up. For all of you that are visiting, I've been preaching through the life of David. David was the great king of Israel. Uh, he was anointed as a shepherd boy. Uh, he was told by... God told Samuel the prophet in that day to go to Jesse's house and he was going to anoint him a king. Now remember, Saul had already been anointed king and God allowed them to do that. But Saul disobeyed the Lord and so the Lord said, look, now I want to, I'm going to anoint a king after mine own heart. And so the Lord told Samuel to go to the Bethlehemite, Jesse's house, and he had many sons and he said, I'm going to anoint a king there. Well, Uh, Samuel, the man of God, went there to anoint the son, and he in his mind thought it was going to be Eliab because he was the oldest son. But Eliab passed, all of the other sons passed, and finally God said, that's not him. And Samuel said, Jesse, do you have any more boys? He said, I have one. He's the youngest one. He's out watching the sheep. He said, go fetch him. I'm glad Samuel's southern, amen? He said, go fetch him. He went and got him, and as soon as he got there, the Lord said, that's him. Now, we know the Lord anointed him. But Saul is the acting king, and so we understand that David, uh, at that moment, the Lord knew exactly where he was. He called him to the court side of Saul. He started to play the harp. We also know that he was obeying his father. He went to go bring food to his brothers that was encamped against the Philistines. And when he got there, this giant, this warrior of Gath, on the Philistine army was defying the gods of Israel. And in the day of Bible days, the fight normally would take place between the two champions of the army. There was less bloodshed and the kings would agree that whichever champion of that army would win, would win the war, win the battle. So Goliath was coming out every day and defying the armies of Israel and everyone was scared to fight him. So here David comes, just a shepherd boy, coming with food to feed his brothers. He sees Goliath with no armor. David has nothing there to fight with. And he goes to the king. He says, why, aren't, why isn't someone fighting? They were all afraid. And, and David said, well, I'll go fight him. He said, something needs to be done. And so we know the story. He wouldn't take any armor with him. Saul tried to put him in armor, tried to give him a weapon. He said, no, I don't prove any of that. So he went and faced a 10-foot man. A proven seasoned warrior of the whole army of the Philistine. And he went out there and he killed Goliath with a slingshot and five stones. And we know that when he got done, he cut the head of the giant's head off. Cut it off and he was carrying it around like a trophy. And we realized we went through all of this. And then he met Jonathan, Saul's son. They become friends and... Now, because of Saul, the king's jealousy, he wants David dead. He heard the women sing. 
Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. So we've looked at jealousy. We've looked at friendship. Last week was a very downgrade message. In other words, David, this man that had behaved himself so wise, the man that God had anointed to be king over Israel, we see him running afraid, allowing his feelings, his flesh, his fear dominate his life. He goes to the man of God and he lies to him twice. He takes the showbread that should have been given to the priest. And then he asks for a weapon. And then he continues to downgrade because he goes where else other than to the enemies of God. He goes to the very country of Goliath's hometown Gath. And he goes there and the Bible says he made himself an insane man. He started to act like he was crazy. He started to spit down his beard. He started to scratch on the door. Listen to me. Sin will cause you to go crazy. And here David is, the man after God's own heart, running and lying and acting like a wild man. This is not the same man that we've seen being anointed king just a few months before. And now we see something else, I think, very interesting starting to take place in the life of David. After they kicked him out, after Achish kicked him out, of Gath. I want you to notice chapter 22 is where we'll begin. Now remember, he's went and lied to the priest. He's went and taken the showbread. He's taken the weapon. He showed faithlessness. He went to the enemy. He lived with the enemy. He let his guard down. We see a downgrading. He's certainly near the bottom. For a man to be acting like he's sane and crazy and spitting on his beard and cutting and putting stuff on the wall, acting like a crazy man. I would think, and you would think with me, that when a man gets to that point, he's got to the bottom. Especially after a man, which David had the testimony of behaving himself wisely. The same man that's killed Goliath showed great faith, and now he's so afraid, he's allowed his feelings of fear and desperation overtake him. And by the way, that's a good lesson and application for all of us. I don't care who you are this morning or who you think you are. If you allow your feelings and flesh to overtake your life, it will. It can change us quickly. And so we've talked about that in the last message. So now I want you to look in chapter 22. And we're going to read a few verses here. Look at verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then, depart, then, then David departed and came into the forest of Herath. Heavenly Father, again, I ask you to do what I cannot do. Speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to stop reading with verse 5 because all of the text that I'm going to use this morning is in verse 5. We're going to look at this verse by verse. David had already been anointed king. 
But instead of being the acting king, he was a fugitive. We've read that in the last couple of chapters. He's running away from Saul. Saul's jealousy has taken over him and he's now trying to kill David. By the way, I want to say as another application because all of scripture is given for our learning. All of it is for us to learn from. And I would encourage you today, I wouldn't just sit here and get nothing out of this. I would learn from the Scripture. One of the things that we can learn is if it overtook uh, Saul's life, jealousy, by the way, it will overtake yours too. It will cause you to do things that you never dreamed of doing. So now David is running like a wild animal because Saul is jealous of him and he's trying to kill him. Now, we also see that David has been running and hiding. I believe all of you would say that David had reached the bottom. His feelings of fear, his feelings of desperation, his feelings of unfairness, his feelings had gotten him in trouble because he ran away uh, and hid himself in an enemy land. He had lied to the priest. He lied to him about the showbread. He lied to him about being alone. He lied to him about being on a mission from the king. No, I'm just going to be honest with you. David, this man of God that faced this giant with a slingshot is now so scared that his feelings of flesh has overtaken him. It's changed him. And by the way, I want to make another application here. David was a man after God's own heart. The core of who David is and was did not change, but he allowed his flesh to change him. But I am also thankful that any time that we make a change for the worse, God is always ready and there to help us to get back where we need to be. I'm glad we have a loving God. But I want you to know, he went and lived with the enemy. He was acting insane. He was not the same man that we were introduced to when Samuel anointed him as king. He was not the champion warrior that we've seen that stood over top of Goliath. He's not the same man this morning that the Bible said in chapter 20 that he behaved himself wisely. He's not the same man that was obeying the authority in his life. Something's changed. But I believe now we're starting to read something else getting ready to change again. There is no doubt. Here's the message this morning. I believe David was on his way up from the bottom. Amen. I believe he was on his way up from the bottom. There's the message. On the way up from the bottom. What does it look like when someone is on their way up from the bottom? What happens in people's lives when they fail? By the way, we're all going to fail. And I've made this statement before. We should not lose confidence in people because they fail. The greatest men and the greatest women in the Bible have all failed. That is not where we should lose confidence in someone whether or not they failed. By the way, if we lose confidence in someone because they failed, then none of us lack any... We have no reason for anyone to have confidence in us because we've all failed. What is the determining factor? Why was David a man after God's own heart? It wasn't because he failed. It's because of how he responded. Get a hold of it. It's because of how he responded. And I believe that we start seeing that the embers of David's heart starts to get convicted. I believe a fire starts to get fueled again in his heart. I believe that there is some repentance here. I believe that there is something going on in David's life. 
Now, I must deal with something here, and this was helpful to me. Brother Don uh, gave me some works of C.H. Spurgeon, and I've been looking at some of the Psalms, trying to look at some of the Psalms that coincide with the very moments in the life of David. And I thought this interesting. Must deal with something here that I believe is powerful, but it's very personal. It's very intimate. See, the Christian life is not always a public show. It's more important what's going on in the depths of our hearts in the dark. It's when we're at home alone in our room. It's when nobody else is looking. Something starts to take place. Now, I'm glad for the Scripture, but not all Scripture, not all events in David's life is revealed. There is something personal that goes on in David's life that I wish I knew everything about. But I know enough. But we understand that there's something that happens in the life of people in a personal, intimate way when they fail. See, God gives gives a little glimpse into some personal conviction and I believe repentance of David. And I thought this interesting. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 34. Would you turn there with me? I thought this interesting. I want you to read the heading of Psalm 34. A Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. Now we know that this is talking about when he went and lied to the priest Elimelech. He also changed his behavior in the king Achish and he acted like a madman and he ran away. Now remember last week we talked about that he allowed his feelings of fear and flesh to dictate his life. He was afraid. By the way, the Bible says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear but a power and love and sound mind. But I believe something's taking place in the life of David. And You say, Pastor Mark, how do you believe that? I believe that by reading the psalm. Something's taking place in a personal way. And by the way, let me just say something. Your dynamic Christian life is not what you show. It is going to be the intimate personal moments that you have with your God. And we see a little bit of this in chapter 34. I want you to read it with me. Now notice, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Because by the way, He certainly hadn't been doing that. I want you to notice verse 4. Somewhere in the midst of this trouble, somewhere in the midst of where he was acting like a crazy man, somewhere in the midst where he allowed his fears, he tried it his way. He went and lied to the priest. He went and done it his way. He went and hid with the enemy. But something changed. I want you to notice that change happened in verse 4. He said, finally, he said, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. See, it was fear that drove him away when Jonathan shot that arrow. It was fear that made him, the feelings of fear and flesh made him lie to the priest. It was the fear, the feelings of flesh that allowed him to take the showbread. It was the same feelings of fear that made him act like a wild man, that made him uh, motivated to go and live with the enemy. He allowed all these feelings to control him. But in verse 4 and 5, we see something taking place. He said, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fear. Look at verse 5. 
they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. By the way, he had tried to save himself out of all the trouble. He's the one that went to the enemy land. He's the one that had to act like a wild man. And where did it get him? It got him kicked out. So he knows he's in trouble. So somewhere in between there and, and where we're reading today, when he goes down to the cave, something's changing in David's life. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Wait a minute, David. A moment ago you were fearing Saul. And he delivered them. And then verse 8. Really now this is going back to the bread. Remember he took the show bread. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now here's where he becomes a teacher. And by the way, David can teach on this subject because he's just failed. He's just showed where he has failed. He just proved it by his actions in his life. But something's starting to change. Look at verse 11. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Wait a minute, David. It was just a few hours ago. You were running in fear. Going to Achish. You were going to the enemy's land. Something was changing. Look at verse 12. What man is he that desireth life? And loveth many days that he may be good, see good. Wait a minute, David. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Wait a minute, David. You just did that a little while ago. You lied to the priest. He said, oh, I know, but I'm starting to see the error of that. See, we see repentance in this. Verse 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Y'all hear that? If you have a broken heart this morning, I want to tell you something. He's closer to you. David knew a little bit about that. He had had a broken heart. The man that he was trying to serve was trying to kill him. There was a lot of confusion in his life. His heart was broken. And so if anyone could testify that the Lord was with someone that was close to when they were heartbroken, David knew it. And he's testifying. See, he's repenting. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Verse 22, the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Boy, I tell you what, I see something happening in the life of David. And by the way, I want you to know that's a powerful thing when things start to change in people's lives. By the way, we're all going to make mistakes. But again, remember, it's not that we make mistakes. It's how we respond. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm on the bottom. That's okay. You can get on the way up. Just because you might feel on the bottom, maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you've sinned. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm in the bottom. I know that we can be on the bottom, but I want you to know you can also get up to the top. Get back where you need to be on the way up from the bottom. And so we see some beautiful things here. Sounds like to me some real heart work and repentance is taking place in the heart of David. 
Look at the heading of the psalm that I just read. This was the exact time in between of the passage that we read this morning. He's just gotten kicked out of this Achish land. He was acting like a fool. And now we find him heading to a place called the Cave Adullam. And the Bible says his family heard about it and came. Now David had reached the bottom, I believe. And he was on his way up. But the story's not over yet. Let's look at a few things quickly. He was back in Israel. He was still running and still hiding. But he came to a place called the Cave Adam. And I want to just talk. I want to preach just a few moments this morning on what does it look like when you've been on the bottom but you're, you're on your way up? What are some signs? What are some principles that, that David's life shows us here? Because there's no doubt he, he hit the bottom. I mean, when you start going crazy, when you start acting like a wild man, when you're doing things that you never dreamed you would do, you're breaking hearts that you never thought you would break. I want to tell you something. You're in the bottom. But I'm thankful we see some things here. And I thought this interesting, the very detail that God allows us to realize here in this passage. Number one, I want you to notice family encouragement is needed. That's the first one. Y'all ready? Family encouragement is needed. If someone's been at the bottom and they're on their way up, family encouragement is needed. Now, I think this interesting. I want you to notice in verse 1 of chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren, all of his father's house heard it, they went thither to him. I think this is interesting. David's family found out that David was in the area, so they went to sing. By the way, they knew what he had done. There are times in our life, and now I'm going to be very practical. There are times in our life that I'm going to be honest with you. The ones we need the most other than the Lord is our families. Amen right there, preacher. And we find that right here because it's amazing to me. Here David has been in trouble. He's he's acting like somebody that you never dreamed would act. Who are the first people to come running to him? His family. And I'm ashamed to say, in this day, sometimes it's family that doesn't do the same. And I want to confess... I'm guilty. Family encouragement is needed. I think it interesting that God allows this little tidbit of information to be given that when He comes back from acting like a wild man, He's lied, He's sinned. By the way, it ain't over yet. 85 people is going to die because of what He did. 85 people are going to die because of what David did. Yet His family came. To the cave with him. Now I wish the Bible gave us details of what was going on and what the family members were saying. But I want you to know there are times in our life that family is needed. The encouragement he needed obviously came from his family. And I cannot emphasize enough of having spiritual family relationships. Can I give you a few things about this? You see it right there in black and, black and white, right? His family, the moment. Who came to his aid? His family, they were there. As soon as they found out that he was hiding in the cave, who was there? The family was there. Why? They loved their son. They loved their brother. They loved whoever he was to them. Said his family, his whole household came to him. But I want to give some counsel here. 
Make sure you're being the right kind of family. What I mean by this is now all of us need work here, including myself. Because we're all human and we all fail and we are not always yielding to the Spirit of God. But I want to say we should depend on the Lord here in a situation like this to give us wisdom. Can I help everybody here? Sometimes the best thing said is nothing at all. I'm going to be honest, and even include myself, but I say this after seeing years of it. We talk too much. We want to hurt people too much. We want to bring up their past too much. We want to talk about how they've hurt us too much. Listen to me, I don't know exactly what took place here in David's life, but I know his family encouraged him. And I want to be, and by the way, I have failed, but I want to be spiritual enough in all situations of life to be helpful in all of my relationships. And by the way, that doesn't mean they get a sermon all the time. And can I help everyone here as a church family? We've run some people off in this church because some of us have said too much. Amen. And we need to be wise. We need to be wise. Be thoughtful. Be kind. Be restoring. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God and be wise. You say, well, I just thought it, so I said it. Not wise. It's not always wise. So I say to every family member here, say, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I have someone in my family. They're difficult to deal with. Well, how about you love them back to life? Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand. They don't deserve my love. Well, do you deserve God's love? Ouch. See, we forget who we are. I wish God revealed to us how his family helped him. I really do. I wish. But he does it. But he gives us enough. We know that David, his family came to him in a time of need. God help us. I'll never forget it. I must say this quickly. It was a great learning lesson for me. I'm hurrying. I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I just got out of Bible college. And by the way, I was green as green could be. Bible college wonderful, but the best way to learn is to get in it. Man, I'm over there working with Pastor Altizer, and it's a Sunday night, and there was a young man. And by the way, this is a good, this is a good lesson. There was a young man that was in our church. He was a teenager. By the way, he should have been in church that night. Somebody say amen, but he got in a wreck. Now, that wasn't the first thing I did was I went over there to the hospital. Y'all with me? There he is in the hospital. Should have been in church. I didn't go up to this. i tell you right now, Chad, this wouldn't have happened if you'd have been in church. But that's just a lesson for y'all. If he'd have been in church where he should have been, he wouldn't have been in a place he shouldn't have been, and he wouldn't have gotten a wreck. But I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't been there long. They didn't teach me this stuff in Bible college. Pastor had to go preach, so he came to me and said, Mark, he said, you're going to have to go to the hospital. I'll never forget. I looked at him. I said, well, what do I do? I said, what do I say? I don't know what to say to this family. Here's what Pastor Altiger said to me. And boy, I've learned it, learned it, learned it, learned it. He said, son, it's not what you say. He said, it's just you being there. Amen. You hear me, families? Sometimes it's not what you say. It's just you being there. 
But family encouragement is needed when someone's on the bottom trying to get up. Number two, family encouragement is needed, but be the right kind of family. But number two, David has just done wrong, and I'm sure that there was some confidential counsel from his family given. Now, we're not given that. We don't know, but I'm, I'm sure that the father, Jesse, talked to David. I am sure that his mother talked to David. They went there and stayed with him in the cave. So I want to say, I'm sure that there was some confidential counsel from the family, but let me just say this as application. Make sure it's wise counsel. Do you know what I've learned? Most of the time we give counsel that benefits us. The way we feel. No, if we're going to help somebody that's at the bottom and they're trying to get up, we've got to be spiritual in it. We've got to be wise. And number two, y'all ready for this? In love. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I've always said this, and I think this has been one of my strengths, where I've become weak in areas. I've become weak in this. I think one of my strengths was, is I want people to know I love them. People will know, they'll want to care, they care more what you know if they know you care. And there are times that we have to give wise, strong counsel, but it also be motivated because those people know we love them. But helping someone from the bottom to come back up, listen to me, that's a spiritual work, and you're not going to do it without the Spirit of God. And by the way, restoration is always the goal. We want someone that's broken, someone that's on the bottom. Guess what? We want them to get fixed. But it's wise. I'm telling you right now, that's spiritual work. Because you know why? It goes against our hurts. It goes against our feelings. Now, quickly, let me give this application. Family encouragement is needed. Why? Being the right kind of family... Make sure we give the wise kind of counsel. But then notice this. This isn't always the case. Some do not have good relationships with their family. Oh, oh, oh. That's why it's important that you have a church family. Somebody say amen. And by the way, these same principles hold true with a church family. Amen. We ought to be wise. We ought to be loving. We ought to be able to understand that someone falls and they get to the bottom around here. We're trying to help them to get up. And we want to be wise in our counsel. We want to be wise with our words. We want to be wise with our counsel. And we want to be loving in our actions. That's why it's important. I say to you, if you're without a home church, you need one. You need a church family. Because I'm going to tell you what, you're going to make some mistakes. And by the way, it's good to have a church family that's going to help you get back up. Somebody say amen. So we see when someone's in the bottom trying to get up, family encouragement's needed. Number two, and I'm going to close with this one because I'm going to finish the rest tonight. Here it is. Y'all ready? Something else I learned in verse two. The Bible says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became captain over them. Now wait a minute. We know something's happening now. Here it is. Y'all ready? You know how I know when someone's on the bottom and they're trying to come back up to the top? Because they're going to be an example and they're going to lead those who God has entrusted with them. 
Every troublemaker in Israel came to David. Hey, if we was there in that day, we'd have said every one of them were crooks. They're the folks we wouldn't want in our army. Bunch of hoodlums. We obviously know they didn't pay their debts because the Bible said they was in debt. Everyone that was in debt. How would you like to have an army of men like that? By the way, we ought to pay our debts. By the way, there's a good old-fashioned requirement for that. God says if a man won't work, he's worse than an infidel. Good old-fashioned work. Good old-fashioned roll up your sleeves. Hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, I had a father. I'm going to tell you right now, he taught me that by watching him work. I don't ever remember my dad calling out sick for work. I don't ever. No, I can't say that. I don't know my father ever calling out sick to work. I can't say that. But I'm just going to say, these were a group of men that you wouldn't pick, but they came to him. I thought that interesting because every troublemaker in Israel came to join him. He was the captain of the crooks. These men who came to David in the wilderness, but here's what's amazing, would one day become his mighty men. They were going to be his cabinet. They were going to be his armor bearers. They were going to be the captain of his army. You know what encourages me here? In later years, these are going to be the greatest warriors that Israel ever knew. Here it is. Y'all ready for application? I love it. I believe as David changed, these men changed. As they seen David grow closer to the Lord, as they seen him give his counsel in Psalm 34 and said, boys, let me teach you something about the fear of the Lord. There was a day that I got all overwhelmed with my fear. And I'm going to tell you right now, I got away from God and I ran up to the enemy's land and I lied to the priests and my, my actions has caused death and I ran away from God. I was running to the enemy and living with the enemy. He said, I let my guard down, but let me teach you something. It didn't work. And David's life became a testimony to these men. And as David changed, his men changed. As he began once again to walk with God, so did they. Hey, this was the beginning of David's court. It doesn't look like it now, but these 400 hoodlums huddling around in this cave with him, they're going to be his mighty men. And by the time, you know what's going on here? By the way, here's where I'll close. I don't want to, but I'm going to. By the way, you know what's going on in David's life? We can't see it, but we should be able to see it. God's working in his life. And you know what? He's preparing him. Yep, even preparing him in his mistakes and failures. You know what? He's preparing him to be the right kind of king. And by the way, can I say this? He's preparing you too. He loves you this morning, and I don't know what you went through in your life, but I want you to know something. He cares about you. He loves you. He's interested in you. And maybe you said, Pastor Mark, you don't understand. My path has not been real bright. It's okay. Neither was David's. But his path's getting ready to look up. And by the way, your path can look up. You said, Pastor Mark, you don't understand. I'm down at the bottom, spiritually speaking. It's okay. There's always a path up. There's a God in heaven that loves you, He cares for you, and He died for you. And I promise you this morning, if you by faith will trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, He'll be the greatest friend, greatest father, the greatest you'll ever know. And by the way, 
Just like these hoodlums. Just like all of these that are in debt. Just like all of these that are in trouble. God loves all of them men. And by the way, He still loves them today. You say, Pastor Mark, I ain't much. Neither am I. But God loves you anyhow. And by the way, if He took these hoodlums and made them great warriors, by the way, could you imagine what He can do to it with us? See, what's happening here, God has been at work shaping David's life to be a king. And by the time David was ready, these men would be ready too. But you say, Pastor, how do you know he was coming up from the bottom? I'm going to tell you why, because there were signs. He was trying to be an example in the now. He didn't look at his past. He didn't look at his failure. He didn't talk about how bad he had been. He says, no, I'm going to be the example now. And these men started following him now. And his life started changing. And because of his influence, the men that was following him, lives started to change. And God entrusted these men for him to be captain. And I have a question for you. Who has God entrusted for you to be captain over? By the way, if you're a dad, that's self-explanatory. You should be captain in the right kind of example to your dear precious wife and your dear precious children. If you're a mother, that's self-explanatory. You ought to be the best example of a godly mother to your precious husband and your precious children. And here's what's beautiful about that. God will help you. You say, Pastor, you don't understand though. Look what I've done. I don't care what you've done. And more important than what I don't care what you've done, based on David's life, God doesn't care what you'll do. He wants to make you where you are. Let him help you. This is what it looks like when someone's in the bottom and they're coming to the top. Look, this is going to happen. There's going to be family encouragement that's going to be needed. And then the person that has fallen is going to have to live a life of example and lead the ones that God has entrusted them. And by the way, that doesn't always happen overnight. But I want you to know something. God entrusted some hoodlums to David. Who's he entrusted with you? By the way, their lives matter. I'm just going to give you the points and I'm going to close. Tonight, I hope you'll all come back. You need to be back. How do we know when someone's at the bottom and they're trying to get up? We've talked about a family encouragement. It's going to be needed. They're going to be an example and lead those who God's entrusted in. But here's something else that was powerful. Verse 3 and 4 of this passage, it, you will take care of those that God's entrusted with you. Because here's what's funny, and I'm going to deal with it more tonight. But just a few weeks before, he was, so, he was so selfish. He wasn't thinking of anybody but himself. But now it's amazing. He cares about his mom and dad. He says, look, I want my mom and dad to be trusted. I want them to be taken care of. It's too dangerous what I'm getting ready to do. And by the way, when someone's at the bottom and they're trying to get back up and they're getting some personal things worked out with the Lord, I'm going to promise you this. You're going to care about the people that you ought to care about. You're not going to be selfish. When someone's at the bottom and they're coming to the top and they're trying to get back where they need to be, it's amazing to me. He's the same man that asked for the showbread and was jealous, was absolutely selfish. Didn't care about anybody else. He went over there to the enemy's land. He didn't think about his mom and dad then. All of a sudden, something's changed. He said, wait a minute, mom and dad. I've got to get you out of here. I've got to get you somewhere safe. When someone starts coming up from the bottom and they start getting where they need to be with the Lord, they're going to take care of the people that God's entrusted them. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of good preaching right there. And this younger generation, y'all need to hear it. And if I was a wise mom and dad, I'd have them here tonight. And then the last one, I'm going to close. 
It's awful funny. This prophet of Gad, this prophet Gad told David what to do. And here's what's amazing. Someone coming up from the bottom good time to get to the top. I'm going to tell you what that looks like. You'll listen to those that God has put in your life, particularly wise and spiritual counsel. And somebody said amen. That was quiet. We don't believe that. In the multitude of counsel. What is safety in the multitude of what? Counsel. I wonder how many of these young people today get counsel. I wonder how many of these young people today go and ask somebody spiritual about something. Or farther yet, how many of them would let the man of God come to them and say, hey, you need to get on up out of here and get back to Judah. I can imagine going and facing a young person today and saying that. Say, are you out of your mind? Who are you to tell me what to do? David didn't respond like that. That's another reason why I know he was coming up off the bottom. Now, these are powerful things. It's not because I'm preaching, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Life-changing principles here tonight. Life-changing principles this morning. How many of y'all know somebody y'all feels on the bottom? There's hope for them. And here's the last application I want to give. Here he is. He's being an example and going to be a captain of all of these hoodlums. Can I give the last application? Praise God, we have a God that failure is not final. You say, Pastor Mark, I want you to know I've messed my life up. It's okay. God is the God of the broken heart. God is the God of the broken lives. He loves to shepherd you. Just as David was the captain of these men that were broken and in debt and in trouble and all the hoodlums of Israel. I want you to know something. I can characterize myself as a hoodlum, but I thank God I have a heavenly David that's shepherding me. He's the captain of my soul, and I want you to know something. I am so glad that he loves me, even though I have sinned and failed. I want you to know this morning that if you feel like you're on the bottom, look at me. Your way up is the Lord Jesus. He'll help you. Now, I've given a message of hope. I've not given a message of my opinion. This is straight from the Bible. And I want to give you full encouragement this morning, no matter where you are, your failure is not final. At the sound of this invitation this morning, wherever you are, if you need to be saved, I promise you, you're in the right place. We can have someone take the Bible and show you this morning how to be saved, and I'm going to tell you something right now, there ain't nothing like it. I wouldn't be scared. I wouldn't be nervous. I wouldn't be ashamed if you're here this morning and you do not know this heavenly David. I want you to know something. He loves you. He wants to be your Savior. All you've got to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he'll save you from your sins. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've been on the bottom. It's okay. You can get up. You say, Pastor, I don't have a good spiritual family. Well, you got church family. Come, let us help you. Now, we're not perfect, but we'll do our best. Amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet this morning. On the way up from the bottom. On the way up from the bottom. David's on his way up from the bottom. Oh, he hit bottom. Thank God he's on his way up. Family encouragement is needed. How many of you thank God for your church family? Would you say amen? Amen. Don't ever underestimate it. Don't take it for granted. How many of you thankful that you got spiritual family? You got a family that you can talk to. Isn't that a blessing? Say amen.
But I want to say this morning, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you come? Let us take the Bible and show you how to be saved. There's nothing like it. I promise you to know the Lord is to love Him. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning, would we just be honest? Could I just ask, would you be honest? You say, Pastor, I'm here this morning and I know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I don't deserve it, but I know Him. I know that I'm saved. And I just with an uplifted hand, I want to just praise the Lord. You lift your hand, wave to us. That's wonderful. Now can I ask this question? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I just don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? How about you lift your hand up? Let me see that hand. I'll pray for you. I promise. Is there anyone like that this morning? You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure. If I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand? Let me pray for you. Is there anyone like that this morning? How many of you are thankful that you you know what being on the bottom is? How many of you know what it means to be on the bottom, but you also know how good it is when God brings you out? Would you, just by way of testimony, would you lift your hand up? Isn't that a blessing? Whatever it is this morning, would you come? Maybe there's someone that you know that needs this message, needs this truth, would you come and pray for that person? Maybe you want to come with a thankful heart. Maybe. We had our prayer breakfast on Saturday. Brother Larry gave testimony. Thank God for his church family. I agree. With that being said, if you're here and you love this church and you do not have a home church, but you'd like to become a member of this church, we'd love to have you. You can make your way. We'll do our best. I think it's important that everybody have a church home. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Pray you'll help us now as we look to this in our lives. We'll thank you for what you do. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have a special family here this morning. They're coming to join our church. We're going to do a little different this morning. And uh, we appreciate Brother Michael, Miss Lynette, and Caitlin Kenimer. They've been with us for a good little while. I'm glad they finally got right with God. Amen. That's a joke. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you this. I think it's important. You ought to take your time joining a church. But when you know it's the one you ought to be a part of, you better get in. And uh, I appreciate them. They've been coming for a long time. And they want to come and join our church. And they're coming by their statement of faith. And. We thank God for them, and it's Michael, Lynette, and Caitlin, and they are driving here from Trenton every week, and we appreciate that. And so we're going to ask them, would y'all stand, please? I'm not going to, we're going to ask them to go to the back, and I want y'all to give them the right hand of fellowship, and thank God for them, and encourage them, and let them know how good it is. I get encouraged anytime somebody wants to join us, a bunch of crazy people. Honestly. How many of y'all feel like you're crazy? Yeah. How many of you, your neighbors will tell you you're crazy? Amen. While they're still sleeping on Sunday morning, you're coming to church. I like it. Amen. Kenners, would y'all go to the back, let folks shake your hand. God bless you. And quickly, if you have volunteered, and uh, we've got your names here. Um, If you volunteered to help with the camp this week, uh, we've got you for a kitchen duty, if you could help us. Uh, We have all the other duties covered. Is that correct? This is just the kitchen duties. And so if you signed up for this, we've got some Woods on here. We've got some Brandons. We've got some uh, Foxes, some Edwardses, some Miss Harris. We just want to make sure you know who you are. And uh, so if you want to meet us over here real quick, uh, we're only going to keep you a second. And again, if this schedule does not count for you, if you can't do it, let us know. Maybe we can switch with somebody else, all right? And uh, that would be very helpful. So if you signed up to help us on the camp, 
uh, let us know. All right? God bless you. You're dismissed. Make sure you give the Kenimers the right hand of fellowship.